Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, doing great. Uh, glad to be uh, at the end of another uh, week of uh, broadcasting goodness, right? We, uh, We've had a great had, week uh, with Aubrey de Grey on Monday oh, yeah. and Wednesday, and... You know, now it's nice. It's that feeling after the company leaves, right? You can kind of, well, you know, <laughs> relax a little, right? Kick back. Uh, not that, not that we have to put on any airs when Aubrey's around, but still, it's just it's easier. You know, it's a little easier when, yeah, yeah. when, when uh, it's just the two of us, and uh, you know, we can say booger if we need to, or just <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, you just that's say, a bad example because we hardly ever do. I, I just, I just point that out. But anyway, what we can really do is we can talk about a wide variety of topics. Uh, typically, when we have a yeah. guest on, that focuses us. That gives us a, a, a particular topic. We did two great shows about life extension earlier this week, and now on our Friday show, we get to hang loose a little bit, and we're going to be all over the map talking about a wide variety of things. In fact, let's just jump into it with breaking news for our purposes yeah. here. This, this story just broke yesterday. Elon Musk says he has a green light to build a New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C. hyperloop. Now, in his tweet, what Musk said is that he's gotten verbal approval to do this. Right. Uh, verbal right. government approval. And how effective that is depends on who gave it, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, obviously the, the verbal approval will have to be followed up by some written approval somewhere, right? That's right. And, you know, it's, the truth of the matter is that uh, we've not ever seen a hyperloop, hyperloop of any length yet operational anywhere in the world yet now it you know we've got some proof of concepts we've seen some short test tracks and things like that so i i'm not saying it can't be done uh and you know the fact that you got someone like uh elon musk behind it is uh very very encouraging it's just uh you know i i i i, I want to be a little bit of the realist here and let's take the other you know take the other side of this bill and tell me why this can be done you know it's uh let you uh, be the uh, optimist tonight on this. Tell, tell you why it can. Well, other yeah, yeah. Uh, other groups in the world are working on doing this. The, the fact that there hasn't right. been a hyper hyperloop yet doesn't mean there won't be one, right? So it's <laughs> you know it, yeah. it's 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 kind of like um, uh, yeah, any any new technology, building an airplane, going to the moon, right? Uh, the, 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 Somebody's got to do it first. Yeah, well, the reason agree, to do agree. it. Is because we should stop being the me too where this kind of thing goes, right? We should be the leader. And uh, I think it's very exciting to think about, you know, this kind of, no offense to our friends in the East Coast, but I think of that corridor as being a little bit run down, right, in in terms of technology, in terms of infrastructure. And the idea of having this super high-tech transportation technology connecting New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C., that's pretty cool. 29-minute trip from New York to D.C., um, you know, Elon Musk really ultimately has to make the case for why it can be done, but uh, I would say if it can be done, we should totally do it. <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> that's my take. Well, what do you think? Think of you know, think of uh, how uh, important that would be. And for for one, you know, one thing, um, it's just the uh, the fight against terrorism. Uh, you know, and terrorists commandeering uh, airlines to do terrible things. Uh, airliners to do terrible things. You know, I mean, it's just it makes having to, you know go to the airport. You got to get there an hour early. You know, you got to go through and take off your shoes and do this and that. What if uh, you had something like this? I think that the risks would be smaller, wouldn't they? I mean, you can't commandeer a hyperloop car to do something, you know, to run into a building or something. That's you, true. Uh, and uh, and it, you know, twenty nine minutes. That's going to be significantly faster than you could get there in an airplane anyway. So you wouldn't have the same kind of uh, you don't have the window for doing damage that you do on a big long flight. That's right. That's right. You know? So you can. Uh, it's going to be less possibility for something like that to be used by you know uh, by someone who means harm, right? And so we can maybe relax our uh, uh, to some extent our uh, our checkpoints, right? And uh, so you don't have to be there an hour early or go through all that, and uh, um, and and then take a quick you know a quick car that just shoots you to your destination so much. So much faster. I mean, that's just—it's incredible. I mean, once once you've got a working system up like that on the uh, uh, eastern seaboard, then I would think that we as a nation would push pretty quickly to, you know, let's connect Chicago now to this, and then on to the west coast, right? I mean, we, and then you know, at some point we bring in you know, you know, Atlanta and uh, Denver. That's right. Keep working. Keep working down the east coast. Branch it out right. to the Midwest through, say, Chicago and Denver and Kansas City, right? And then on to the right. West Coast. I, I think that's the way you'd have to – or start one on the West Coast and come this way, right? Have one run up the West Coast corridor and then start moving uh, – the, 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 the last section to be built will be between, like, uh, I don't know, like Salt Lake City and L.A. or something like that, right? It's the uh, – <laughs> right, connecting the West you know, Coast to the flyover country. <laughs> Is it Providence Point where you had the gold spike? You know. Like That's you right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it'll work the same way. I, it'll be pretty much pre- pretty much the same thing. But um, how exciting! You know, one thing yeah. I wonder is, I, I assume when he says New York to DC in 20 minutes, he means that's an express train. So you're not stopping in Philadelphia and Baltimore. Because I'm, I'm looking at all these and I wonder, well, how long does it take, right? You know, if you can get from New York well, to DC you know, in 29 I mean, minutes, that must be like a 10-minute trip to Philadelphia, right? Well, and I would think that uh, they wouldn't have to, you know, s- stop. You know, you're talking about these individual cars, okay, that uh, that hold, you know, probably upward of around 20, 30 people, mm-hmm. and uh, they shoot directly to the destination. And, and you would, if you wanted to stop uh, that particular car in, say, Baltimore or someplace, you could, it, it would divert off on a spur, right? And, uh, um, and you wouldn't have to stop. It wouldn't be like, one line straight, you know, straight, and therefore no one could come up behind you and pass you going to to DC or something, right? Right. You'd have right. a you'd have some sort of ability to um, to stop without without clogging the line uh, between the two. So yeah, I'm just saying, you know, if it's if it's 29 minutes from New York to DC, you're already slowing down by the time you start from like DC to Baltimore, right? If right. It, right. <laughs> that's gonna be a five minute trip, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> nothing. I mean, what is that? Forty miles? You know? Yeah, just, you can't. Yeah, you you wouldn't be able to. Uh, you wouldn't be able to get to full speed, probably. Yeah, you wouldn't even get to full speed on that trip. You would start speeding up and then start slowing down. That would just be this. Would be this. And and uh, New York to Philadelphia would be it's almost the same, right? What is it? About an hour drive from New York to Philadelphia. So there's this long haul. Right from Philadelphia to Baltimore, I, I understand people aren't actually going to do it in in that order. I'm just looking at kind of the the big stops that are named there and thinking about how it would uh, would add up. But that is awesome, man! You get from New York to Washington D.C. in 29 minutes. They're going to look at that yeah. everywhere in the country and rethink commuting. Right? This would be oh, huge yeah. for the West Coast. We were talking about this, right? You want a line going out east right from 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 the west coast so people can get to affordable real estate right and then just zoom in every day um and, and I, I think something similar would happen probably on the west coast side too i don't know you could have yeah. people living in chicago and working in new york right just all kinds of possibilities it, it, could, it could happen it could happen um and i mean because if if uh, i would think if uh you could you could probably get there in an hour something like that up from at, at those kind of speeds, uh, right from Chicago to New York, yeah, and people, you know, they 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 take a they take a train for an hour from Connecticut, you know, all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So why not take an hour train from Milwaukee or something like that, right? It'd be this, you know, it's just like get five times the amount of house for the money. It's just anyway, it's it, it's intriguing idea, um, and exciting that Elon Musk is saying that he's gotten some level of approval. It'll be interesting to find out who gave him this approval. Was it the president? Yeah. You know, if it was the president, then this could really happen. Perhaps, we'll see. Well, he did have a meeting with uh, Trump. Uh, it was like uh, within the first days of of, of uh, the Trump administration. I think he uh, he actually had a meeting with him. So, who knows? Maybe that's what he's talking about. But uh, pretty pretty amazing. Pretty cool stuff. So stay tuned. You know, we've we've talked about the hyperloop, and now here's one more tantalizing tidbit about it. So hopefully uh, we get more news on it soon. Okay, here is my favorite story of the week. Um, <laughs> and it comes to us from our good friend, Brian Wong at Next Big Future. Feeding cows a diet with 2% seaweed can eliminate 2 to 4 billion tons of CO2 per year. And, and I think actually what that means is the equivalent of 2 to 4 billion tons of CO2 per year. As you know, Stephen, a, a good deal of the greenhouse gases that are emitted into our atmosphere are not CO2. But in fact, methane right. uh, that comes from the south end of northbound cows, right, that are, are intended uh, to be... South, south end of northbound everything, practically. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, um, cows are a particular problem. They are very good at producing methane, and we have a lot of cattle in this world because we like to eat beef. So, um, and we like to wear leather and we like to drink milk. You know, all of these are, all of these are issues around why there's a huge population of cattle in the world and they are, um, you know, well, here, rip-roaring our atmosphere full of methane. So what do we do about this? And, and methane is, a, is 10 times the potency as a greenhouse gas that CO2 is. Exactly. And, uh, so you've got, you got this super uh, greenhouse gas coming out of these cows and... Uh, and you know what can we do about this? Can we give them, uh, you know, give them gas X or what do we well, do? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, these solutions people come up with is well, stop eating meat, right? Just stop the farming, yeah. but that hasn't happened, right? Stop wearing leather, right? Stop drinking milk. I mean, those solutions to date haven't gone much of anywhere, and um, we still got all the cows. So what you can do, it turns out, <laughs> is you can feed cattle seaweed 
uh, and you can eliminate uh, up to 99% of the methane from their the gas they expel. Um, and there's a handy graphic over on nextbigfuture.com, if you follow the link, that shows the average amount of carbon dioxide produced by a car in a year, um, and it's 4,600 kilograms. Um, and the average amount of methane produced by two cows each year is 200 kilograms. Those are that is equivalent greenhouse emissions. Okay, so basically two cows, two cows equals e- one car. <laughs> two cows equals one car. That's right. So if Amazing. we could if if we could get cows eating just a little bit of seaweed in their diet, I mean we're not about you know two percent of their diet seaweed, and that I know of, seaweed's not all that hard to grow and it's pretty easy to come by, right? Um, and I'm guessing if you mix it in with a cow's food, the cow isn't really going to have a big problem with it. Um, this is a fantastic solution. Okay, the, to, to me, I, I listed this under, you know, why we always have to be open to possibilities, right? Because there are solutions to problems lying dormant, right? Lying in the adjacent possible that we're just not thinking about or looking for, right? I, I never heard anyone say, well, maybe we could change the diet of the cows, right? Has anyone ever said that? I've never heard that. Maybe people, have, obviously people have thought about it and talked about it. But even well, if anyone did say is, that, go ahead. It, it, the funny thing is, that, you know, it's one of these accidental discoveries like so many things. Yeah. We just, uh, we, we stumbled upon it. Um, a Canadian farmer, uh, apparently he must have had a, uh, he must have had a cattle ranch right next to the ocean, okay? Because uh, he realized that his cattle that ate the washed-up seaweed were healthier, and this is what made me laugh. These cattle were healthier and produced rip-roaring heats with longer mating cycles than those who did not. So you have these cows out there, you know, the uh, the, the romance music is playing, okay? I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> And so he's realizing, hey, what's going on with these cows? Well, they're eating. There is just no downside to this, okay? This is yeah, just that's a, right. That's right. And talk about making the world a better place for us, for the well, cows. I mean, it's just. Well, think of it from the cow's point of view. I mean, what makes you feel more romantic, being gassy or not? Right? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's right. So. Um, but uh, that it's hilarious and uh, and fascinating and. Yeah, and and relatively cheap. I mean, uh, there's there's lots of seaweed. I mean, you talk about being a lot of cows. Well, we got a lot of seaweed too, and right. uh, we can. And now that we found a good use for it in that way, that's that's awesome. And I'm thinking it could be fairly fairly effectively harvested too. You know, I, probably it could be grown. There could be seaweed farms. I, I'm telling you, if you want to put a big, like top down solution in place to fight climate change okay i'm finally seeing one here that i think will be effective all right it's like so so many you know carbon tax and you know so many programs that that people come up with i'm like i don't know i don't know but if you just say look we're, we're gonna we're gonna make it mandatory that two percent of all cattle diet is now going to be seaweed and we'll phase that in over the next 10 years i'm on board okay if it actually works <laughs> i i'm like yeah that sounds like a good plan to me because um it, it sounds like it works, you know what I mean? It's it, uh, Unlike a lot of these other things, which are based on kind of behavioral stuff and, you know, theories about what people will do and how they'll be incented to act, this is like a pretty straightforward chemical reaction that's going on here, right? The seaweed goes in and then the methane yeah. doesn't occur. That's, a, you know, it's like, okay, if that works, then it works. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. What do you think? 
I think it's great. I think and yeah. and the cows are healthier all around, and that's that's you know. So it's it's even a more humane thing, right? I mean, if if you got if the cattle are healthier and uh, are doing better and produces you know what we want produced, which is meat and leather and all that good stuff. And uh, hey, it's it's like you say, no downside whatsoever. And uh, yeah, let's let's uh, that that needs to be pushed. I, I hope. Yeah, that, we have uh, not endorsed all that many uh, climate change solutions on this program. Here we are, both of us. That's like two thumbs up. Okay, so if anyone's listening, <laughs> yeah. it's got the it's got the world transformed. Uh, if anybody, you know, perhaps uh, some you know Purina or somebody who who is making cattle feed. Uh, hey, get on this. This is a project here. You can save the world. That's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Make some money and save the world. Yeah. There's there's no downside. And speaking of no downside, tell us about the next story, Stephen. The next story um, I get to introduce because uh, a group from my home state was a big part of this. Um, scientists have reversed uh, brain damage in a two-year-old girl who drowned in a swimming pool. Very sad story initially. Um, she uh, she was uh, apparently 15 minutes underwater. Um, hmm. And, um, you know, just and then profound brain damage to the point that she can no longer speak, walk, respond to voices, as she just would uncontrollably squirm and shake her head. That's all, you know, I mean, just almost a vegetative state. And uh, and two two teams, uh, one from LSU Health in New Orleans and, uh, and University of North Dakota, um, did some experimental therapy uh, with this child involving oxygen treatments, including hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and you know, putting her in a hyperbaric chamber. And this basically, you know, um, oxygen under high uh, pressure forces oxygen, forced oxygen into the brain, and it, it caused a startling regrowth of tissue in this child's brain. And um, so that, such that uh, within a, a relatively short period of time, that you know she was beginning to you know respond uh, and and at this point and, and then it, it looked like after about it looked like about nine months to a year, she was actually um, speaking better than she was before the accident. In other words, she was beginning to catch She's up. She's catching up. She yeah. Would have been. yeah. Right. But but still was having significant physical problems, so they put they you know okay let's let's give her PT, and you know now she is almost Phil where she you would expect a child her age to be, and just about caught up. Wow, just about caught up, just about caught up. Whereas you know uh, in 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 times past, a child like that would just you know. I mean, uh, probably end up institutionalized. You know, I mean, just, right? Well, I mean, uh, before the treatment. You know, she couldn't speak. She couldn't walk. She couldn't respond when, when anyone talked to her. All, all she could do was squirm and right. shake her head, right, is what, the, That's right. is what the story said. So, I mean, this, this is, we're talking about a profound level of recovery here. Uh, absolutely yep. amazing. May I say miraculous um, recovery that's occurred here. There, part of, uh, you know, the, the doctors, you know, are trying to, you know, understand what it was that happened with this child uh, in this in this recovery, because you know, this is, you know, literally they've never seen recovery like this ever before. Right. And part of the explanation for this is that it was a young brain with, you know, filled with stem cells, right? Still, right. right. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of plasticity, you know, and flexibility within the within the body at, the, at a young age like that. 
So uh, does that mean that, you know, if, if someone is, uh, um, you know, brain damaged profoundly as an adult uh, that, you know, that you'd see the same thing, you probably wouldn't see the same level of recovery without some sort of additional stem cell therapy. You know, basically, you, you know, you'd want to create a condition probably, and this is just me speculating, okay? You would probably want to create a condition within the patient's brain where you would want their brain to be as close to that of a young child at the time you start this therapy probably. And, you know, yeah. you, uh, that, that might Well, you definitely, you will have to have that plasticity, right? You've, you've got to have that. Right. I mean, yeah. So, you know, you take their own stem cells, you culture them, you get them into the brain, and then you you start pumping in the oxygen, giving the brain the opportunity to heal itself. With, you know, if it's full of its own stem cells, it can do that. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's, I, I, I look forward to them beginning to work with, uh, you know, uh, patients that are in a persistent vegetative state and, and working and seeing uh, what, what can be done to help these people. And uh, I, I, this, is, this, is a, this is a huge, hugely hopeful story for any, anybody that, you know, that has pr- someone with profound brain damage in their, in their lives that, uh, that, that they care for. This is a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope in this story. So. Absolutely, there is. I mean, with, with an older patient, there would be the question of, you know, how much of that person would you actually get back, Right. If right. you've got, if, if, if you've got memory a, is lost and things, because, yeah. you know, if the brain grows back, wonderful. You know, you may have a per- perfectly functioning person after that, but uh, you know, how much, how much of their life have they yeah, lost? Yeah, they may have no know? memory of who they were or very little, um, yeah. and may end up with a completely different personality. But we don't know that. We we yeah. don't know we don't know what the extent of it will be until we try it and find out, because even if they don't have any memory. Um, or just a little bit of memory, and even if their personality changes, it's they're still yeah. alive, right? I mean, it, it's it's you, you well you recovered you know, what you could, right? Um, my father-in-law had a uh, had a terrible stroke, uh, and and um, as he recovered, he, you know, the family noticed that there were some differences about him after that. But you better be, you know, you know, you can bet that uh, they were happy to have him, right? I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> sure, sure dad's taste in food has have changed. He, you know, he, he always hated sour cream, thought it was the grossest thing ever, and now he's like, oh, he's putting it on his, you know, his potatoes. Really, stuff know, like uh, that. You know. That's amazing. Yeah, Isn't that like, weird? small things like that, you know. Just, yeah. You know, he, and, and, uh, and, but also some, some, you know, some different, you know, different changes in his taste in music and, and lots, lots of changes. Okay, but and uh, but uh, they were glad to have Dad around. So I, I would think that that'd be the case with uh, with most families. And even if uh, even if your loved one's a little different after uh, something like that, uh, to have them back um, would be uh, would be a big deal. And so yes, very helpful story and uh, uh, a wonderful story. And and kudos yeah. to LSU. Way to go, LSU. That's right. That's right. Go another, another another big story from Louisiana, huh? So good That's stuff. That's right. Yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, I'm going to geek out. Is it is it that time? Will? Well, I, we 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 could talk quickly about the, the Chinese teleportation. Um, we we know that China Let's has that pulled, okay. pulled off a profound feat of teleportation that may help it dominate the way the world works. You've probably seen this story around. You hear about this quantum teleportation going on. We know that. 
it's not like Star Trek style teleportation that that no person gets sent, no physical object gets sent. But what does happen is that quantum states of photons are entangled and spookily uh, matched over distances. And this is the farthest it's ever been done. This is 870 miles. And what is exciting about this, if you read this story, how it's going to help dominate the world works, is um, this uh, J.C. Seamus Davis. He's a physicist at Cornell University and he's been looking at quantum mechanics, he said that this demonstrates the basis for a fully quantum internet, which he describes as a technology likely to make the internet that we currently have obsolete. Here's a quote from him. He says, such an internet would be both vastly more powerful in terms of speed and vastly more secure in terms of inability to access private information. There's no way for eavesdropping to occur without knowing that it's happened. So, Imagine the quantum internet. That's according to him because this information is being sent. That's what this what this speaks to. So we've talked about quantum computers. Now here's the quantum internet. Um, I, I find it I an intriguing this, idea. Uh, I would think that being able to teleport like this would also uh, aid in the cre- you know in the creation of quantum computers. It, 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 I would think that they would have to uh, you know. It'd have to be important for that as well. But, uh, you know, quantum encryption and being able to communicate without eavesdropping, big deal. And um, yeah, just the, the idea that in a few years you might be working on a quantum computer that's connected to this quantum entangled network is just it sounds pretty futuristic. I don't know. It's got a real <laughs> neuromancer feel to it, I think. Uh, yeah, I, 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 look forward, I look forward to seeing more stories about this. We're still in very early stages, okay? All we've done is send the you know the quantum states of a few photons, but it's like the hyperlink uh, hyperloop thing. It's a it's a proof of concept. So we'll see where it goes. Anyway, uh, congrats to that team who made that happen. And you know here's the here's the record: fourteen hundred kilometers. So somebody needs to uh, do some entanglement even further. I mean, technically it's spooky action at a distance. So you know we need to see something really dramatic done with uh, with quantum entanglement. We'll see. All right. Let's, let's geek out indeed. How about this, Stephen? Doctor Who, the 13th Doctor is a woman, Jodie Whittaker. And I don't know if you've followed any of the buzz about this, but I've heard a lot about this. Mostly, here's what I've heard, okay? The, the, yeah. this, is, this is the argument I've heard, and I want to talk about this a little bit. The argument I've heard is a lot of Doctor Who fans are not okay with this, and they're terrible sexist people, and... They should shut up and get on get with the program. And I just want to say, speaking as a guy who doesn't really watch the show, okay, um, I stopped watching it several years ago because I find it personally, and I'm sorry if this gets me in a lot of trouble with people, kind of silly, and it just doesn't work for me. Sorry. I'm sorry. I love the idea, but it just over time didn't work for me. I'm sorry. Um, but it's totally, as far as I can tell, consistent with the character. It's totally consistent with who he is and what he is for him to come back as a woman. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And I think if I want to do that, great. It's a science fiction-y thing to do. To me, it reminds me a lot of uh, Lazarus Long and Robert A. Heinlein's uh, uh, future history series. He eventually wants to come back as a woman. He, he never does dial it in. He, in. Instead, he has a couple of female clones created, but it's as close as he ever comes. But, you know, it's one of those science fiction ideas. You live long enough, you want to try everything, or, you know, you're just such an advanced race, you just switch back and forth between those things. That's what science fiction's for. That's a science fiction idea. If she's cool, 
and she's fun, and she does Doctor Who stuff. You know, if she people will accept her as the Doctor, and everything will be great. So, so I'm I'm a person who has no dog in the hunt, and doesn't care, and basically thinks it's an okay idea, right? That okay. I, 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 I won't I argue probably, with. Probably, I'm a probably a bit more of a Doctor Who fan than that, Phil. Um, what I what I typically do, I've, I've reached the point that uh, I don't have. To, feel the need to watch every single episode what I do is I depend on my children okay my mm. kids the kids you know, the youngest yeah. of yeah kids love that show youngest, yeah. yeah the youngest of whom you know is is uh, you know 12 now so uh and the oldest is 20 right so if they if they go oh dad you got to see this one this one will blow your mind if right and there's probably two or three episodes like that every season okay and uh invariably they've been correct you know when I and yeah. they, when they say, "Oh yeah, this is this is one that's going to blow your mind," uh, and I watch it, oh, oh my gosh, you know that. <laughs> you know, it's do they do they blow your mind sometimes? Maybe I need to give the show they, another look. Yeah, it had not blown my good. mind for quite a while when I lost interest, so maybe I need to. Yeah, I need to. Come there's back a few. To there's a few episodes uh, that uh, in the in the Peter Capaldi run that uh, pretty mind blowing. Um, right. Okay. And, Fair uh, enough. Uh, I'll just say that there's one where he's he's trapped in a fortress, and uh, he takes the long trip. Okay, let's put. It, I'll leave it at that. And, Very interesting. Uh, you, you, you got you got to uh, you know Google that, figure out which episode that is. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch that one after uh, after the show. I think actually, that's you've yeah, got that's, my attention. That's that's awesome. You're right. So so what? I, that said, I'm a little more of a Doctor Who guy than you are, and I'm perfectly fine with it, provided. Okay. If they make this character a feminist statement, and that's all she is, then it'll it'll be terrible. Okay. I mean, if if it's all politics and it's not about the wonderful weirdness of Doctor Who, then it it's going to be bad. I mean, but you know, for if if uh, if you have a character that's you you allow her to be to embrace the weirdness and the coolness and all that Doctor Who is. If she becomes Doctor Who, or the uh, Doctor, we really shouldn't call the, doctor. the character Doctor Who. Yeah, that's Who. right. If she becomes the Doctor, yes, then then I'm I'm I'm, I'm all about that, and 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 I and I'm going to give her every chance to. Yeah, to that's that. to, to me. That's it, that's it, the whole thing. That uh, nobody yeah. likes. I don't like being preached to, right? Nobody, I don't like watching no. something where the content has been, you know, arranged in such a way that it's supposed to do me good, right? To teach me a lesson right. or to, you know, that. Yeah, as soon as you tell me that's what's happening, I don't want to watch it, right? I just don't, yeah. you know. It's like uh, it's like let that happen organically because you're telling such a kick-ass story with such an awesome character, and I'm on board. Right. Um, but but what I was going to say before was. As far as I'm concerned, it's okay. I, you know, they, can, they, can, they can make the doctor a woman. Great. What they shouldn't do, what should not be the case, is you shouldn't introduce a major change to a character that fans are not allowed to disagree with or they're a bad person. <laughs> right? That's right. just not fair. You know? I mean, if, if they... You know, if if they did some other major change, if they made him like this, like, southern dude, right? I mean, if they, you know what I'm saying? If he was suddenly a gorilla, right, people could object to that. Or, in fact, every time there's a new actor playing him, right, there has always been some people who like it, the new one, and some people who don't, right? I mean, right. that's 
That's always been the case. And you're not a bad person if you dislike a particular performance or if you dislike a particular plot line, right? So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a bit much to say, hey, this is this ground-shaking change, and you have to like it. I mean, that immediately almost makes me not want to like it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't, don't, right. don't set the, 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 the debate up that way. That's wrong, you know? Um, assume people will like it and, because you're going to do it so well. To, you know the closest. Well, it, it's it's sort of the difference between, you know, I loved Wonder Woman, but was not really on board for the female Ghostbusters, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. W- what's the difference? I mean, what's the difference? Uh, am I a complete sexist uh, where one uh, movie is concerned, but I, I can I can accept Wonder Woman? Um, I, I'm guessing you liked one and you didn't like the other. That's my guess. Yeah, you know, the, the one was a good movie and the other sucked. I mean, yeah. that's. And uh, to, to me, uh, that, what does that make me a post feminist? I, I can actually look at the, you know, at the at the movie and and and, and judge it on its own merits. You know, I think you know, I, you know, this Doctor Who could be the best Doctor Who ever, and right. um, and 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 I'm I'm completely open to it. Uh, it could also be the worst if they go in the wrong way. If they're if they're going to preach to the uh, preach to the rubes. And uh, tell you know, and tell you know everybody that's uh, you know uh, that if you if you fail to uh, love love this character, even though it's it's so pedantic you can't stand it, then that you're that you're a bad person, then it's going to be terrible. Uh, right. But if uh, if it's if it's if it's the you know wonderfully weird, odd, uh, cool doctor that we've always known them, and 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 more perhaps because. Uh, a female, you know, a female a take on that on those characteristics, something we've not seen before, and so you know, we could we could have the best doctor ever in in this. Yeah, see, I think the argument should not be you're a bad person. The argument should be, hey, give it a chance. Well, hey, we're trying this thing. Come on, give it a try. You've been watching the doctor for years. See if you like it. You know, right. give, you know <laughs> be fair. Give it a you know, give give it a fair shake. If it if it turns out not to work out. They can always retcon it later. And, and it's going to be real interesting what happens with the next incarnation, right? There's just all kinds of interesting issues coming up. The point is, just make a good show, right? Make a good TV show. Yeah. And, and invite, don't condemn. That, that, you know, that's my thinking. I, the, the, the only thing I can think of that is even remotely close to this is when they rebooted Battlestar Galactica and, and Starbuck became a woman, right? Yeah. Um, I think some people had real trepidation about that, but that totally worked, right? And I mean, yeah, that, that yeah, was just was a great. change of the character, right? But it completely yeah, worked. That was a, that was great, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, it it, I, it was jarring for about five minutes in the first episode I watched, and then I was yeah, and, I, and then we were all past that. So I yeah, I was like, uh, okay, well, this could, uh, okay, it, with good writing and and good acting on the part of this actress, uh, um, then we. I mean, we could we could have the best Doctor Who ever, and uh, yeah, and absolutely the you know, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, Judy Dench is the best M in in James Bond, right? It's okay to make M a woman, you know. <laughs> so, uh, good luck is all I have to say, and and yeah, now I, I've got to I've got to wrap the show up, Stephen, so I can go look up that that him? episode you mentioned. What's that? <laughs> can you name the actor who played M before Judy Dench? Uh, I cannot. He was great. I I I, I don't mean yeah. to take anything away from him, but. Uh, Right, but she owns that role, right? Yeah, she's she was she was him. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, great stuff, and look forward to it. Uh, when's when's the first uh, episodes with uh, this new doctor? You know what? I don't see that in my show notes here. Let me just look real fast and see if it's it's next season. So I, 
I'm guessing we'll see her around Christmas time, right? Yeah. Don't they usually do a big uh, Christmas kickoff they, they for the show? Do, we'll do a, uh, a, an episode where they're introducing the new Doctor around Christmas and, and, and still have some, some additional episodes with the old Doctor after that. But, yeah, right, right. That, that might be, be something along that line, yeah. Uh, don't forget to, uh, to check out the Peter Capaldi episode with him in the Fortress. I'll uh, try to get you the, the title for the show notes. So that give I, me that link. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go watch that. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Stephen. Great talking with you. Hey, it's great being with you all. We're going to be back next week with three brand new shows. We look forward to being with you all then. And until next time, live to see it. <laughs>